Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. So, um, you know, I was just reflecting, you know, it's amazing to me just how the Holy Spirit orchestrates what he wants to say for the day. And Rocky gets up here, and I'm, I'm there in the back getting my little mic on, and he talks about that where Christ wants us to come to understanding that, that there needs to be a death to our old man, our old self. And I looked at Jim, and I said, wow, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. So I said, "What amazing, it's amazing. I think the Lord just wants to encourage you because, you know, it's not like one of those messages that you, everybody's like, hey, sign me up. But it's the reality of the beauty of the cross of Jesus and what he's asking for us in our lives to do for him. So it's actually a response of our lives because of the glorious victory of the cross and where Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And that's a reality that, that doesn't just like resonate as like, woohoo, that's going to be the best sermon ever. It's something to where we got to let it sink in and we got to realize, okay, this is really what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to live a life that's just to satisfy our own flesh. He's saying, are you willing to deny yourself, your self-life? Take up your cross and follow him. There's an amazing reality I was just thinking about this week of just walking with God like Adam in the cool of the day. And I started thinking about that. He walked with God face to face in the cool of the day. And he had fellowship, friendship. There was love. There was like... Can you imagine walking with God? I mean, think about that. How would that be? That would be a nice Sunday stroll, wouldn't it? To walk with God and to talk with Him and look at Him in the face and say, you're amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's mind-boggling to think that, that Adam had that privilege. But nevertheless, it is God's desire to restore that relationship, not just with one person like Adam, but what God wants to do is he wants to restore that type of relationship to a generation of people. What we did last week was extraordinary. And I'm going to remember last week where we had the panel of of our elders up front on the chairs and really representing a full picture of the heart of God in that when Jesus comes back to gather up his bride he's gathering up our elders he's gathering up the little ones and he's gathering up the middle ones it's going to be one big family but before his return, he's going to uh, prepare a generation of people that will 
that will be able to commune with God, relate with God at the level that Adam walked with God. This is the restoration of all things. And so in that, this type of intimate communion with God is not just like a a dream. It is one day going to be something that's going to be a reality of a people. See, God is a father, and he loves to be with his children. That's like, like after church today, what do I think about? I think about having lunch with my family because I'm a father. I love to be with people of all ages. I'm just not trying to sit with people that look like me and act like me. I like to be with children. I like to be with grandchildren. I like to be with cousins. And I like, you know, we're a family. So Daniel talks about this end-time generation of people. In, in Daniel eleven thirty two, the prophet Daniel foretells of a time when there's a generation of people that will one day experience a lot of spiritual darkness and great hardship. And this is a prophetic word for the end-time church. And this generation will experience what is known as the time of the end, which is in Daniel 12, the time of the end. Yet in the midst of the darkness that will cover the whole earth and the people, there would be a generation of people who know their God, who know their God, and shall be strong, and they'll carry out great exploits. And, you know, a lot of times I think the, the, the church likes to emphasize the great exploits and doing mighty ministry and mighty things for God. But I think what is, is so important about this scripture is not about the big ministry. It's about knowing God. It's about walking with God in intimate fellowship at a level where Adam walked with God. We are going to know our God. See, that word is the same word that how Adam knew God. So it's the reality of a knowing of our Father in, in an affectionate way through relationship. And, and the outworking of that is going to be mighty exploits. It's going to be mighty powerful ministry. And we're going to see a lot of great things. The Apostle Paul... He walked in many signs and wonders. He went through many hardships, but he also, there were some pretty amazing things that happened through this guy's life where they used to put handkerchiefs on him, aprons on his body, and then take those to the sick people, to people that were demon-possessed, and when they laid the handkerchief on the sick, guess what happened? They were healed. People were blind, eyes opened. People took a handkerchief and put it on somebody that was demon-possessed. Guess what happened? The demons came out. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty powerful ministry. I mean, it's powerful when you're not doing the one laying on the hands. It's just that your body 
so emanates the very presence of Almighty God that the anointing on your life anoints a cloth. And when you touch somebody, a miracle happens. Now, that's great exploits. You would think that Paul's like, that's what I'm for right there. I live for this, man. Sit in my couch here, take a hanky, and go put it on somebody. I mean, he's like, that's cool. I mean, come on. But that's not what he desired. That's not what he ultimately was passionately pursuing. Paul says this in Philippians 3.10. His greatest desire is this. To know him, to know him, and the power of his resurrection. To know him, like Adam knew God, to know him intimately, to converse with him, to be with him. His greatest desire was to know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, the most noble pursuit that I think should be in the mind of every Christian is this. The chief end of man, the catechism, Westminster, which is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Think about it. That is what Adam experienced. And this is what God wants to restore in the last generation, before his return, he's going to have a people that know their God. Period. Amen. And this will only be possible when a people are restored back to intimate relationship to the Father as we walk with him in union. Peter prophesying following the day, you know, at Pentecost was an incredible day. Yeah, a lot of people get saved and baptized. And then he foretold of a great redemptive promise that there would be a generation that would come to know in its fullness and reality the presence of Almighty God. And he emphatically declared that heaven was going to retain or hold back Jesus. You know, when I, when I marry a couple... Uh, and, and I have the, um, the bridegroom standing beside me. I can feel in him as he's watching his bride come down the aisle. It's like trying to hold back a thoroughbred. He's like, whoo, let me at her. Come on, baby. I mean, he's like biting at the bit, man. He wants to go. He wants her. Well, you know what? There's going to come a time when the bride has made herself ready, which is who's the bride? They're going to have shirts like this. No, but the reality is, is that we've made ourselves ready, and therefore we are going to be so attractive, and so, and Jesus is going to be so in love with his bride, it says here in the scripture that heaven has to retain him. It's like it's having to hold him back. Woohoo! Come on. Just just wait. But the reality is is that God at the appointed time until it's just right 
releases his son to come and get his bride. But let's read Acts 3, 20 through 21. And he will send you Jesus, the Father, the Messiah, the appointed one, for he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place, fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets. So the Holy Spirit, speaking through the apostle Peter, uh, is not simply describing the restoration of God's people to a place of power and of prominence. He's announcing the awesome power of redemption in the lives of a generation of people. And it's so great, so complete, that they will come to know the intimate fellowship with God and it's going to be restored back in a generation of people that was lost with Adam, but it's going to be restored back in this end-time generation like it was in the Garden of, of Eden. In fact, the Father, he's holding back Jesus from returning until there is a remnant of, of people who will walk in companionship and oneness with their God. They will know their God. And you know what we had here last week? You know what I love about seeing a generation? Over 500 years sat up on the stage last week, if you weren't here. Is that this is a generation that is coming to know their God. Their generation is coming into oneness with knowing that the chief end of man is is to know God, to glorify God, and to delight themselves in Him the rest of their lives on this earth. You know, this year, we are celebrating 20 years of ministry here at Generation Church. Woohoo! Come on! 20 years! That's right! We're just reshape remade but we're still the same people 20 years of ministry here you know the church started our living room it wasn't like this church you know decided hey let's hire a good pastor let's get sam fine no it started in our living room so it grew and we came here so the reality is the last 20 years i'll say this it's been a wild ride there's been a lot of highs, and there's been a lot of lows. It's the good, the bad, no. It's, a, it's just all, it's a mix of everything that we've experienced. But through the good times and the hard times, God has been making us into a people of his presence where his glory is going to dwell. He's been fashioning and working on us as a people. And the Lord spoke to me this week, and he said that 20 years is a milestone. And, and I felt impressed to look up what the meaning of 20 is. And I looked at it in a book of its signs and symbols and prophetic understandings, and this is what it reads. The number 20 is very significant in the Bible. The number 20 means redemption crowning achievement, divine order, completion for spiritual perfection, holiness, 
waiting with expectancy, number of recorded dreams, and this. Jacob waited 20 years for his possession. And when I read that, I realized that Jacob, in those 20 years, he had some very, very challenging things that took place. It wasn't like easy street for Jacob. He was so excited about marrying this one woman that, that the, the father, Laban, basically hid her from him. He had to wait 14 years to earn Laban's two daughters. So basically, he had to wait that long for two ladies. And then six years more, he worked uh, with his flocks, with all of his sheep. And Laban was not a nice man. But after 20 years, God had prepared him to receive his possession. Okay? Do you understand this? It took 20 years to prepare Jacob to receive his inheritance and his possession of what God had for him. And having to wait many years to get his wives, and he worked tirelessly for a man that was cheating him out of his wages. And in that, and also too, he came to a point of, of even real breaking when he did something that probably wasn't the smartest thing that he's ever done in his life. He wrestled with God. And you know, wrestling with God, uh, that's, not, that's not a good thing. He actually thought he had the strength in his flesh to wrestle with him. So all of a sudden, God thought, well, I don't want this guy to think he can prevail. Took his finger and went, pow. And his hip went out. And he walked with a limp. You know, the word, well, not the word, but there's an old saying that you can't trust a man until he walks with a limp. And the reality is, is that the strength of his flesh and of his will was so strong, it took God given a, a mighty blow, a fatal blow to his flesh that caused him to walk with a limp. Why? So that he would be dependent on God and not on himself. So there's a reality that the self-life can be very strong. It, it can even think it can wrestle with God, outdo God, outsmart God. But the reality is, is that the end of flesh basically comes to an end, and it's death. And, but God wants to restore this relationship so that his strength can flow through us and not our own strength. So in that, Many of God's mighty men in the Bible were broken at one time or another. Do you realize that? Most of the mighty people in the Word of God were broken at one time or another. Uh, David, 
was broken when he committed adultery and had Uriah killed. You know what he actually says? David says it this way. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice once again. He knew that God broke him. And then we have, we have Paul who was broken on the road to Damascus when he realized he thought he was doing service for God and he was getting rid of all these Christians because they weren't obeying the law and he thought he was just doing a real righteous thing. But actually he was broken when he realized he was actually sinning against the Savior of the world, Jesus. He was broken, knocked off his horse. There's Peter that he was strong in the flesh. Mr. Put-your-foot-in-your-mouth guy. And I have did it my way. Peter would do it his way. And then Jesus says, you know what, Peter? When you're older, you're going to be girded, and you're going to go to a place where you don't want to go. And because when you were younger, you wanted to do things your way. Not my way. Well, when you get older, it's going to be my way, not your way. So he was confident he would never deny. I mean, you got to think about it. He was so, he, was, he, he loved Jesus. But in the, in the strength of his flesh, in the, in the Garden of Eden, all of a sudden, the, uh, Judas comes to betray Jesus. What does Peter do? Takes out his sword. Whoo! Takes off the ear of one of these soldiers. Okay? That was a pretty cool moment. Jesus says, you don't know what you're doing. He takes the, the ear and puts it back on the guy. I mean, right then I would have thought, surely these guys think he is God. You know, you just don't take somebody's ear and just put it right back on their head. And then all of a sudden, you got Peter who's confident. I'll never deny Christ. He denies Christ three times. Here's, a, here's the cock crow. And Jesus looks at him as soon as it crows. And he breaks. He was broken. He was broken as a man. So why is it important to be broken? Let's just ask that question. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. I want to just read this scripture because it helps us understand what God is after. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Paul calls, just for clarification here, Paul calls the, um, the spirit your inner man. Your inner man is where Christ comes and dwells and you are regenerated. That's where God has his home, is in your spirit, okay? And then he describes, and then he begins to describe what is known as the outer man. And the outer man is your soul, which is your self-life, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, 
So he's describing that you're a triune person. And then you have your body, which we can describe that as the outermost man, your, your body. So you have your, your spirit man, where Christ dwells. You have your, your, your outer man, which is your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. And then you have your body, of course. But you know, what we begin to uh, realize, anyone that has served God long enough begins to become faced with this reality that sooner or later, uh, the great hindrance to doing great things for God is not others. It's yourself. Doing great exploits for God all hinges on you and not others. You discover that the outer man or the soul or your self-life, I'm trying to put this in words that you'll see, wants to do things its way and not God's way. Your soul really does not want to obey God's word. Your spirit man is alive and ready to obey the word of God. But your outer man, your soul, did not get the memo. Your outer man wants to do things my way. My way or the highway. And so this outer man, which is your soul, does not want to submit to the will of God. It does not want to submit to the mind of God. It does not want to obey God's word. And the outer man does not want to submit to the inner man that is regenerated, born again, born anew, and is ready to walk in the fullness of God. So as we will see, there's only one kind of basic dealing that enables us to be useful for God and have intimate communion with God just like Adam did, and that is to be broken. At some level or another, to be broken is God's way. And I want you to see how the Bible separates man into two parts. See, Romans 7.22 says this, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Okay? You do, the inward man, which is where your spirit dwells, it's where you're regenerated. It's where God's spirit is. That part of you loves to delight in God. Okay? That part of you loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. He said, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outer man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So there we see the outer man, which is your soul, your self-life. Your outer man is perishing. But the inward man is being renewed and growing into the fullness of God. So when God, first of all, comes into us and dwells us by His Spirit with His life and power, He comes into our spirit where we are born again in our spirit. 
And secondly, our outer man or our soul, that is where the, it's the seat of your thoughts, your emotions, and your desires. That's, that's really your outer man. The basic difficulty for any believer lies in the failure for their inner man to break through the outer man. Do you understand? The inner man is kind of like in a, in a, in a shell wrapped around the outer man. So if we had a circle in the middle, it would be your inner man. Then a circle around that one is your outer man. And then a circle around that one you can see is your body. The, the problem is, is that the inner man's trying to bust out. But it's got a ceiling over it. And it's the outer man. So what's got to happen for the spirit man to come out? The outer shell of your outer life has got to break. There's got to be a breaking. There's got to be a release of the Spirit of God within you for the power of God to come out of you. And I love, I love this, what um, Watchman Nee says. And this book is an old classic, and it is, it is a one you need on your shelf called The Release of the Spirit by Watchman Nee. I want to read this quote to you. Were you able to pull up that quote? Nothing can so hinder us as the outer man. Whether our works are fruitful or not depends upon whether our outer man has been broken by the Lord so that the inward man can pass through this brokenness and come forth. This, in a statement, specifies the basic problem. The Lord wants to break our outer man in order for the inward man to have a way out. When the inward man is released, both unbelievers and other Christians will be blessed. Wow. I think that says it pretty succinctly, don't you? So in that, this isn't something that we all cry out for, Lord, just break me. But the reality is, is that we got to see who's governing your life. Is, is your will, is your way, and your life in charge, or is it God? That's going to be the determining factor. Who's in charge? Acts 12, 24 through 25 says this. You know... Just like, basically, uh, in life, there are circumstances that can break you. In nature, there are things that God uses to break things in nature. Let me explain. John 12, 24 through 25 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. When he's describing that life right there, that's talking about your self-life, your soul. If you love your soul more than you love God, the end result is that you'll lose that. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Life is deep within the grain, uh, is deep within 
uh, the grain of wheat. But there's, there's, there's a shell, there's like a, a hard husk on the outside of the seed, okay? So life is inside there. But there's a hard shell on the outside. And as long as the shell is not split open, the wheat cannot sprout and come out. So unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. So what is the death? What is the death of the seed? It's the cracking open of the husk, of the shell. And, and how that happens, in, in nature, God uses temperature. He uses humidity. He uses all kinds of factors that will eventually cause the shell around that seed, that husk, to split and to break. And then all of a sudden, the wheat begins to grow. The tender shoot comes out and sprouts. And it continues to say, the word continues to say, that he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Life in this verse, in this Greek word, suke, that is the word for life, which means soul. Okay? So the Lord is showing the importance of being willing to die to your soul or your self-life. Your governing, who's governing you. Because if you love your self-life more than Him, you have the potential of losing the soul. Do you understand? He's pretty clear. You know, Jesus just like doesn't mince words. You know, he says, boom. You either love me, love your soul. So the outer man being unbroken, the inward life of the spirit will not be able to come forth. And that is why this is so important that we understand that, that being broken before the Lord is actually a value in the kingdom. This isn't a value in our world. You know, Paul says, you know, we had a thorn in the flesh. He said, God, please remove this. I don't want it. What does God say to him? My grace is sufficient. For my power is perfected in your weakness. And, and Paul says, I will gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of God might flow through me. So what we're looking at is that is a value of the kingdom of God. That's not a value in the world. Looking weak or feeling broken. I mean, we're kind of like, be all you can be the army way, you know? Build yourself up. You can achieve your dreams. Go for it. The individualistic spirit is it's just hardening the shell around your soul. And so in that, God is saying it's important for us to walk in the level of communion with him in our, from our spirit is that the outer man has to be cracked. Mark 14.3 says this, While he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there, there came a woman with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume of, of pure nard, a spike nard. 
And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. You know, God, I think, purposefully uses the word pure in this, pure spikenard, to really give an, an indication to us that this is a spiritual reality, a truth that I'm wanting you to understand, pure. If the alabaster box is not broken, the pure spikenard will not flow forth. You know, strangely enough, I think people uh, value the alabaster box more than they do the perfume. And what God is saying is that, that if, if the spirit within you is to come out, the alabaster box, which is your outer shell, which is your soul, has got to be broken. You've got to break the seal of, of your outer life so that the spirit life will come forth. You know, many of us, we treat our outer man or our self-life as really more important than the, than the inner man. We treasure our own emotions and our desires and our will as more important than that of the Spirit. We value our wills. And you know, and it's been something over the years that God has been chipping away at me is, is the strong will, the stubborn will, the rebellious will. And, you know, when I looked at my father, and right before he passed away, when I was sharing with him about Christ, I said, Dad, you know that the men in the fine family have strong wills. And he said, Who? you're not a kid. And I said, Dad... That's the very thing that God wants to break so that you might receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And it's not something that just automatically comes easy. It's a continual process after circumstance after circumstance after circumstance where you realize you know what? Doing things my way really isn't made out what it is to be. It's really overrated because the end result of doing things my way has just caused a lot of problems in my own life, if I could just be honest. You know, I, I just, I've stumbled over myself more than anything. And the reality is, is that my self-life I look back over my over the years of of all my years of with Jesus, where I thought honestly that a lot of the difficulties and trials and challenges that I was going through was the devil. The devil is stopping me from my ministry. He's in my way. It's the devil. And I've come to the reality that it was really God behind the scenes. Allowing a lot of circumstances to happen to get me to the point of my breaking. 
to get me to the point where I'm willing to lay down my self-life and allow it to die. Where Jesus says, if you love your life, you'll lose it. And so in that, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because I'm actually beginning to step into what I've been created for. And that is communion and intimacy with my God. To enjoy Him. To love Him. And not allow myself to get in between us. I've allowed Him to begin to break. Am am I done being broken? No. I wish I was, but I'm not. Is God going to allow new things to happen in my life? I'm sure He will. Because there are new things that He wants. See, there are, there are thrones within your soul. There are thrones within your soul that need to be dethroned. That's the word from the Lord. There are thrones within your soul that God wants to dethrone and sit on the throne of your heart. David talks about that he talks about that there were regions within his his life that that did not bow down to almighty God that there were regions deep within him we're all very complex individuals you know there can be thrones in in your soulish realm that are addicted to certain things there can be thrones that idolize certain things there can be thrones that are drawn to certain things there can be thrones that are your that are appealing that you desire to flirt with those things there are thrones that that we can have multiple thrones within our soul because we're very complex individuals and in that god wants to dethrone everything and in that he wants to sit over you, in you, through you, so that His Spirit might flow through you. And so in that, let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You remember that scripture? But if the earthen vessel cannot be broken, who can see the treasure that's within us? There's a treasure inside of you. How can the world see the treasure if it's not broken? So we begin to understand what is God's final objective in our lives. That's to break open the earthen vessel, to break open our alabaster box, to crack open the shell. So the release of the Spirit might come in and through your life. 
And the Lord longs to find a way to release a generation of people who belong to him that will walk in the fullness of relationship unhindered because of a soulish life. Watchman E says this, Brokenness is the way of blessing, the fragrance, the way of fragrance, the way of fruitfulness. So we got to realize, you know, the scripture says God is at work in you to bring about completion. Do you know that he's been orchestrating situations to bring about your breaking? And it's not because he's a he's a mean God. And it's not because he's upset with you. He's disciplining you because he loves you. He loves his sons and daughters. And therefore, he will discipline those whom he loves because he wants the fullness of his spirit to come through your life that you might walk with him because he desires you more than you desire yourself. So God loves you. And he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be your everything. He just doesn't want to be a part of your life where you come on Sunday morning, woohoo, got my Sunday fix, and the rest of the week you live like the devil. He's like, I want all of you, not just some of you. But you know what? To enjoy the pleasures and to walk with God, you have to realize that the pleasures of the world are really your enemy. The pleasures and desires of this world are at odds with God. And, you know, we don't say that out loud. We don't say, oh, I love the evil one. Bottom line is this. God is wanting all of you. He's not just wanting some of you. And But if we desire the desires of our flesh more than the desires of God, we're actually walking in darkness and deception. The enemy will deceive you to think, well, you know what, I can have a little of both. That's right. And secondly, what hinders the breaking of the outer man is people that love their self-life more than God. You actually love yourself. You know, we don't say that outside. We don't say, hey, I love myself. But many times we try to wiggle our way out of dying to ourselves because we're really seeking a way of escape. We don't like the idea of taking up our cross. Denying ourselves, which is our soul, and following Jesus. But you know what? Honestly, you don't really live until you let go of the self-life. You've not really lived until God is living fully through you. And this is, God just wants to, he just wants to be with you. He wants to talk with you as a father would a son and daughter. And there's such a benefit to this. So what I want to look at, just a few things, and I'm going to wrap up. What are the benefits of brokenness? You know what? I felt like, God, I, I, I said, Lord, there has to be. I, I, want this, I want to land this plane in a nice way. Because 
you know, I don't want it to seem like, oh my gosh, let's just break each other. No break, you know, it's like brokenness. That's just not like a big zinger of a word. But, but I want there to be a benefit, and I want you to hear these three benefits. I want you to write these down. What are the benefits of being broken? The first is this. The Spirit is released through you and can f- fulfill the will of God for your life. The benefit is this. The Spirit is released through you and can fulfill the will of God for your life. Anyone who is endeavoring to serve the Lord will soon discover that the great hindrance to one's work is not others, but yourself. It really is yourself. And we quickly will discover that the outer man is not in harmony with the inner man. Paul says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. But the very thing I shouldn't do, I do. They're not in harmony. They're not in sync. Your inner life is not in sync with your outer life. And both, both your inner life and, and, your, and your outer life, they go in opposite directions. And the inner man wants the outer man to submit, to let go, to relent, to submit to the Word of God and live out your life fulfilling Him. Not your own desire. So what is the benefit? Is that the Spirit is released and God is able to flow through you to a dark and dying people that are in need of Jesus. People are able to see Jesus in you and not yourself. People are able to see light in you and not darkness. People are able to see that you are one proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and therefore people are drawn to it because of Christ within you and the good news of the message of Jesus Christ, which is here to save them. Number two, we're able to imitate Christ. One of the pressing challenges that Christians face is to imitate what Jesus modeled for us. Because Paul said in Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Many people talk about, they talk about it, but they can't walk it. You can talk a good talk, but are you really walking it? Do they really see Jesus, or do they see, huh, he's of the world? What do they see in you? So basically, to imitate him is to eliminate the grip of sin in your soul. Get rid of it. And don't, and don't associate with living your life just in your self-life anymore. To imitate him means you got to let go. So there can't be two lives on the inside of you. There can't be your self-life and God's life. They're in opposition to each other. Two lives can't live in one soul or one person. So in that, we got to determine which life is going to live in me. Christ within me or my life. 
Thirdly, our intimacy with God is restored. And I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest blessings. you got to realize that you are the object of God's affections. He is enamored with you. He is in love with you. So much that He gave His only begotten Son. God is so affectionately in love with you that He wants all of you. You were created to be loved. Think about that. You were, you were created out of love to be loved. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you. He created you so He could love you. So let's allow this intimacy and longing in God's heart to be restored in a generation of people that are willing to die to their self-life that they simply might walk with God, fellowship with God in the cool of the day, which is no cooler than anything I could ever think of, having fellowship with the one that created you. I love to do a lot of things, but there's something that is far more preeminent than me satisfying my self-life, and that is giving my life to the one that created me. I'm loved. You're loved. That means something, folks. You are loved. You're not junk. You're not a mistake. You're not a happenstance. You are created at a purpose in God's mind because you are loved, and he wants to walk with you just like he did with Adam. That's something that I'm looking forward to, and that's something that was prophesied by Peter that there would be a generation where God restores all things, and that is a people that will walk with their God in love with him, just like Adam walked with God. This is what you were made for. You were born for. You were created for. To have fellowship with your God. So is the soul life a little overrated? Yes. Let the Spirit out. Let the recreated Spirit where God dwells, let it out. And be willing to lay down your selfish ways so that he might live through your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, it's an amazing thought to think about this. That in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though you're in your sin, in your soulish life, it says that Jesus so loved you, he died for you. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a response that needs to come from our hearts of realizing that, you know, David said, though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. There's deep meaning behind what he said there. I can't unpack that all right now. But there was an element where he realized that he was forsaken by 
a lot of people around him that loved him. But God's love for him took him up. So I want you to know that though maybe you have felt in life rejected, abandoned, you felt like no one wanted you, I want you to know that God your Father today is taking you up in His arms. And He's saying, you're mine. You're not a mistake. I made you. I love you. And you're for me. So really being broken before God is a good thing. I'm grateful for the brokenness in my life. I'm grateful that I have been broken and will still be broken because I want this alabaster shell of mine that might look nice on the outside. I want the seal to be broken that the fragrance and and the perfume, the pure spikenard will come forth from my life. I don't want people to be attracted to me to say I'm fine. I want people to be drawn to Jesus. So I want you guys, everyone here to know you're so valued and loved by God. Your father is smitten by you. Do you know the scripture says that just with one glance from your eyes, he's undone? Do you know that? The Song of Solomon says that. With one glance of your eyes. You just look at God, he's like, oh my goodness. He is undone because of his love for you. That's how beautiful you are. That's how lovely you are. That's how much you are valued by him. That's one way to undo God. Just look at him. Look into his eyes. So let's all stand. Father, we worship you and praise you. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. And God, this day, we give you permission to dethrone any thrones in our soul. Lord, we give you permission to have our lives and to have your way. We choose this day to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow you. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us, for saving us, for giving us new life. We thank you that you've called us with a purpose and a plan. And God, today I pray that your kingdom come and your will be done in the heart of man. That your kingdom come, reign and rule on the heart of man. Let your power come. Your kingdom come. I ask for the reign of your spirit to come in to the soul of man in this place. And that there would be a dethroning that there would be a breaking, that there would be a release of your spirit in the lives of your people. Father, prepare us as a generation, young and old, 
that will glorify you with our lives and enjoy you forevermore. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we choose this day to be grateful for the breaking that has taken place in our lives. We worship you and we love you, Lord. If there's anyone here that has never realized that you are so loved by the Father that He gave His only Son to die for you. That's a lot of love to give up your only Son that you might be saved from darkness. If you've never received that love and to be forgiven of your sin, I'd like, I'd like to pray with you. If you would like to receive that kind of love through our Savior Jesus and be forgiven of your sin, I want you, I want you just to lift up your hand because I want to pray for you right now that you would receive that kind of love that is unconditional, that is forevermore. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. And I'm asking, Lord, that right now you would wrap your arms of love around this church. I'm asking that your big old arms right now will come around every single person and let them know that you love them and you're for them. And let them know that the best days are ahead for them. And Lord, I pray right now you would just bless each and every one with your, with your grace with your wonderful, amazing grace, that we might realize that we need grace so that our outer man can be broken. And I ask, Lord, that you lift up your countenance upon each and every one and give them your shalom peace to know that it is all well. It is all well. So, Lord, I pray right now for your abundance and blessings to be upon us as your people. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this church. Lord, this is the best church in the United States. And I thank you, God, for each and every one here. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you have been wrestling with your self-life, and are needing God's grace and help right now for there to be for there to be some breaking for there to be some dying you know i pretty amazed that Rocky stands up here and says you know I feel like the Lord today wants everyone to know that dying to yourself is a good thing like you know Lord did he read the memo sounds like he did so if you're struggling with your self-life and, and you just need help, you need God's grace to help you, you know, it's really just a surrender. It's, it's, it's just letting go, not doing things your way, doing things his way. If you want prayer and encouragement, I want you to come up. If you want prayer, come on up. If not, look at the person beside you and say, you know what? You look good to God. <laughs>